couple of weeks ago and I preached on uh, uh, how to know God's will, somebody leaned in and told their grandma, it sounds to me like he just needs to listen to his wife. And I probably do need to listen more to my wife. At Christmas, I'm always thankful for her. We have our specific jobs. My job is to go in the basement, carry up the Christmas tree, make sure the electric lights are working, and all the rest of decorations is her responsibility. You know, everything around the house is great. I'm a, I'm a big believer in giving cash or gift cards because that's easy. And I was reminded when you said take the little tags off the Christmas tree out there because she likes to shop for people, and that takes time and all that, and... I'm not a, a patient person when it comes to shopping and standing in line. So the gift cards out there too. Great, great. So, I mean, it's during this time of year, I'm thankful for, and for my wife and how we compliment each other. It's a great thing. Opposites usually do attract, right? And that's just the way it is. And, uh, but today we're celebrating the first Sunday of Advent. I always, you know, January 1st doesn't mark the calendar for the Christian. That's not the beginning of our church year. The church year beginning is Advent. We start the cycle all over again, anticipation and following the life of Christ all through the Gospels and until we get to Christ the King Sunday, which would have been last Sunday. We celebrate the fact that he is, he is king of the universe. But I've entitled this message today, Actively Watching, Actively Waiting. And as I said, today marks the beginning of that season, a time of preparation, a time of being reminded again of the coming again of our Messiah and the expectation and anticipation we have. But what is it exactly that we anticipate during this time of the year? What are we getting ready for? What what do we expect to happen? Do we anticipate the end of the world as some religious cults always do at this time of the year through history? You know, they set a date and and, and then everybody's disappointed because... Christ didn't show up like they thought he would. Are we preparing our our hearts and minds to receive again the coming of the Christ child into our world? Or are we preparing for yet another month-long shopping spree where we willfully and with malice of forethought murder our bank accounts? (laughs) Or maybe we're, we're, we're getting ready to for that seven to 10 pounds that the average American will gain during the season starting in, uh, in, uh, in Thanksgiving Day. So I, I want to be an underachiever in, in that area this year, or try to be. Uh, are we getting ready for the depression, the anxiety, and even the rage that accompanies this secular holiday season by many people? It's a depressing time of year for many reasons. For, for the many who faithfully observe the consumer Christmas, uh, Advent is inevitable. It's an inevitable prelude to disappointment. Uh, For the majority of these folks, Christmas somehow hardly ever measures up to their fantasies, even for those who who manage to have some of their Christmas wishes fulfilled. uh, The season is is over so quickly that the need to make New Year's resolutions to lose those added pounds or to be more patient with all those idiots who somehow manage to get their driver's license bears down on them even before the decorations uh, come down. But the Advent we celebrate in the church, the one that has nothing to do with the number of shopping dates left until Christmas is altogether different. Uh, the hanging of the greens. I was in, we were down in Amish country one time. I th- my wife loves to go down south to Berlin and Sugar Creek and Walnut Creek. And I, I was just, you know, I usually go and sit. I find a bench to sit on and I find something to read. So I was reading about some of the traditions of the Amish people in that area. And one of them is that they'll, they'll have two Christmases. They, they have the Christmas where they exchange gifts. Then they have the Christmas where the spiritual emphasis 
they gather together as a family, they eat together, they worship together, has nothing to do with that day that, that leads up to it. That's a great tradition. You know, the hanging of the greens, the decoration of the tree, the placement of the poinsettias, the lighting of our first Advent candle, all of these invite us to dream dreams of a better world that have nothing to do with sugar plum fairies dancing in our heads. Advent invites us to live today with the future in view. And we sang about it, didn't we? Advent invites us to pray, and not only to pray, but to live the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Advent reminds us to bring the future kingdom into the present because we are future. Not only are we presently children of God, but we are future children of God in that new creation. Advent invites us to bring the future into the present. Both uh, the passage that was read from Isaiah this morning and, and the words from the Gospel of Matthew express this Christian hope for a different, brighter future. And when the uh, prophet Isaiah thought about the advent of God, he envisioned a world unified in the worship of God and committed to peace. Isaiah dreamed of a time when the nations and the people of the world would join together in recognizing the sovereignty of God and declare, this is Isaiah's words, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that God may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. In the world of Isaiah's vision, war was a thing of the past and the nations of the earth lived together in peace. So I don't know what sort of images come to your mind when you think about Advent, maybe it's, you remember a classic work of art or a, a photograph showing the journey to Bethlehem, the nativity or the adoration of Christ's child. Maybe it was a favorite Christmas you had as a child. Uh, maybe it's just the traditional symbols of the season include a huge brightly lit tree and a nativity set. Maybe it's the annual watching of the Christmas story. Or maybe it's a wonderful life. Uh, I know around our house, uh, for the month of December, uh, the primary TV station becomes Hallmark Movie Channel. It only takes about three minutes into the movie to figure it all out. It does. Who's going to marry who? And, you know, and I guess I like them because they have a happy ending. And I like happy endings. Well, for the people of God, we have a happy ending. I finally figured out last night, I watched, you know, a couple Hallmark movies. And, and I started counting the times they almost kiss. You know, you know, they get interrupted. And I've discovered the average time that they almost kiss before they actually, that spark of a kiss happens is like three times. <laughs> Hallmark, I don't know what your, what your traditions are, but the way we see Advent and Christmas will determine our approach to the celebration. Uh, is the essential work of Advent just hanging decorations or, or is it more about opening our lives to the coming Christ and learning to live as future kingdom children in, in the present. Will Christmas come only if we do all the right things to get ready for it? Or is Christmas a gift from God that arrives whether we're ready or not? Just as his second coming. It's going to arrive whether we're ready or not. Even a casual reading of the Bible reveals that the advent of God is, is more about revelation than it is decoration. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Uh, I think it's a wonderful 
thing that we, we hang greens, we, we place candles in the windows, and, and we put up a Christmas tree. And my wife broached that subject, said, since we're not having Christmas at our house this year with all the kids, I don't think I'm going to do as many decorations. Then she suggested something. I said, no, you're going to do that. You're, you're going to put the Christmas tree up in the family room. That's just, that's, you know, it's just, whether you have anything else or not, I want a Christmas tree with all the lights in the family room. It's where we spend our time. So I'm all about, I love, love, love decorations. Advent is not put up the decorations, though. Here I come. But Advent is actively watch, actively wait by living the Christ life. We must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when we don't expect him, as the gospel reminds us. We are to live in such a way that God's future kingdom invades the present world through us, his church. That's what happens when we do things like go feed people, right? We did it last Tuesday. That's the kingdom of God, the future kingdom invading this world, bringing hope, bringing love, showing people what the kingdom of God looks like. The truth of the matter is that God's entrance into our lives in the person of Jesus Christ occurs because God took the initiative. Christ arrives in our midst as a result of the love and compassion of God. Christ comes to us in our real world, right where we live. He comes right down into our brokenness, into our failure, into our suffering, into our sin. He doesn't just show up as a Hallmark movie feel good Jesus. Jesus shows up in the midst of our fallenness and depravity to bring restoration and redemption. So what will we do with him when he comes? In the gospel reading from Matthew today, the disciples, they're talking about Jesus' second coming and they want to know when all this is going to happen so they can be ready for it. And Jesus then recalls that familiar story to them of Noah. He reminds the disciples that in the days of Noah, people were living their lives with little concern for God. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were celebrating, and and suddenly in those days, the rains came. Only Noah and his family were wise enough to listen to God's warning and to seek salvation. And by the way, there's a flood story in in ancient literature, just in about every ancient civilization, there is a story of the flood. Do you know how the Christian story of the flood is different? You had a compassionate, merciful God who warned the people for weeks and months and days and years before the deluge. The other stories from ancient civilization is God is mad at us and God is angry and he doesn't like us and he just comes and destroys people. But the Christian story of the flood is markedly different because it tells the story of a God of mercy, (laughs) of a God of compassion, of a God who does everything in his power to warn us and to invite us into his kingdom, to invite us to be a part of his family. Unfortunately, only Noah and his family were wise enough to listen to God's warning to seek salvation. And when Jesus comes again, he, he, he tells his disciples, it's going to be just like that. Life will be going on as usual. People will be doing all the ordinary things. And suddenly, without warning, the Lord will return. And when that happens, some will be ready. Some will not. Some will remember Jesus' admonition to be ready for the coming of the kingdom. But some will not remember. And other things will have become more important 
to them. Those folks who, who have forgotten or disbelieved will be greatly disappointed on that day. Do you see what Jesus is saying? The disciples ask about the timing of the second coming, but Jesus said that's the wrong question. And I think we've all lived long enough in here to go through those periods of time. I remember being scared to death at a camp meeting, a Nazarene camp meeting. An evangelist had the audacity. I was really disappointed to set a date. So, you know, of course, as a teenager, kid, I'm getting ready for the second coming. Man, I'm at the altar. I'm making sure I'm ready to go. And I don't know if you remember the 88 reasons Jesus is coming again in 1988. Uh, that was a book that came out. He didn't come that year, so the guy revised it. 89 reasons why Jesus is coming, <laughs> 1989. So, but Jesus said, you know, that's the wrong question. Their question should be, uh, to their surprise, that how are we to wait? What's the quality of our waiting? It's not when, but how. And so it is with us. The important thing for us in the season of Advent is not when Jesus will come again, but what the quality of our waiting will be in the meantime. And Jesus doesn't call us to a passive, do-nothing kind of waiting. Jesus says to the disciples and to us that the way we live together, the church, how his people live together in the world as kingdom people, as Advent people, is serious business and calls for an act of faith. Isaiah echoes the call, O house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. See, walking is not active, it's, it's passive. Advent invites us to look into the future. But its most demanding challenge and most exciting promise come in the announcement that the present is kingdom time too. Whether we consider the present to be sunny and bright or, or, or fair to partly cloudy or dismal and gloomy, God sends the Messiah to come to life in it. Elsewhere, Matthew describes the gift of the season of Advent with a single word. It's, it's my favorite word of all the Christmas words, Emmanuel, God with us. Because in those times of life, we don't have answers. We can't figure out the circumstances. We can know that God is with us. That's his promise. He's with us. God is with us. Not God has been with us or God will be with us, but God with us. Right now, today, continually. The message of Advent is that each moment has eternal significance. That the God of all things past and the God of all things future is also the God of the here and now. God invites us to live in the present in expectation and awareness of the fact that eternal realities are determined by the way we live now. How we live and what we do now in the present kingdom of God matters in the future kingdom. And so this morning, Advent's here. Now is the time to look at the quality of our waiting. Do you fear Jesus' second coming because your lifestyle says you're not ready? Or are you a bench warmer? You're just passively waiting? Or are you walking in the light of the Lord while you actively await his coming? Jesus has told us that the kingdom of God is, is breaking in. And that's an interesting choice of words. The kingdom is breaking in. All of Jesus' preaching and teaching and living has been aimed at helping us to understand what the kingdom of God looks like and what it is. Those who take seriously the kingdom of God as Jesus teaches it must know clearly and well 
that our work isn't over when we've just preached, repent, and be saved. Jesus is coming soon is not the whole message. There's much more to the gospel than that. Kingdom living challenges us to hear and believe the promise of Emmanuel, God with us. Advent reminds us that we have have to have our spiritual eyes and ears open so we can recognize those times God wants to unexpectedly break into our lives and into the life of other people through us. We can't know the time or the day of the next encounter with the holy, we, neither can we predict whether that meeting will be a joyful experience of forgiveness and peace or a call to repentance and responsibility or a time to be there to comfort those in their loss or some combination of those three. But we can realize that it will come and attempt to be ready and actively waiting. God, thanks so much for the good news of you. Thanks for showing up in dark places. Thanks that you're not afraid of the dark, that it's not too hard it's not too late for our world even for our country or our marriages our families our communities the forgotten places discarded places thank you that it's not too late it's not too late for you would you please protect us from this habit of rehearsing tragedy would you give us tools and and strategies by which we can practice the good news of your gospel coming to the world, that we can practice loving you, that we can practice being part of the angelic choir that shines light in dark places, celebrating what you've done and who you are. We just pray, do it, God. To your name we pray.